0: Hey, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Spark Your Fire. Um, I'm your host for the property segment, David Shee. And I've got to say that we have not had a property segment check for a while. So today we are reigniting this segment again. um, And uh, I'm very, very excited um, to have our guest, you know, or have guests lined up and coming back again uh, onto the show. And, uh, you know, as our reigniting Podcast episode. We've got a very special guy in the studio today, uh, Brendan Sarafov, who is actually the uh buyers agent and the founder of Property Comet. And he's based in Sydney. You know, we've um we've spoken a lot of times over the phone, but we just haven't really had a chance since COVID to catch up in person. But anyway, Brendan, how have you been?
1: Yeah, I've been good. Thanks, David. Um, you know, hoping the uh, the weather's going to uh turn around shortly, but other than that, um, been doing well. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, yeah, nah, exactly, mate. We're both in Sydney. I think you know, we've just gone through the flood and then you know, like flooding everywhere in, in Sydney and the, the heavy torrential rains that's going around, it's just, it's just
1: causing nightmares around the area.
0: But you guys are all safe,
1: yeah, that's right. So, I mean, where I'm based in um, in northwest Sydney, there was no. uh, definitely a few different. Road blockages and stuff like that, and yeah. and flooding further towards sort of north northwest. But where I'm okay, it's uh, it's all been okay since uh, since it started. Good
0: man, good man. All right, now that's important. I think uh, you know, while whilst building property portfolio and wealth is is as important, um, you know this, you know having our own safety is always number one. Um, but anyway, Brendan, today's all about you. You know, we want to we want to talk about who you are um, and um, Brendan as the property investor and, and share share a bit about your journey with us uh, along the way. And, you know, I'm sure there's, because uh, I think you've got about, if, correct me if I'm wrong, six or seven properties and still growing. Is that right?
1: Yeah, six at the moment. And looking to grow that um, throughout this year as well. So
0: Okay, nice, um, nice. Let's continue to accumulate down the track, which is, which is always the case um but uh okay well that's, that's just, uh, that just that's just kick off in terms of I guess uh give us a bit of background about you Brendan like were you born here Were you grew up in Aust- Aussie or uh where did you where did you born where were you, where did you grow up
1: yeah so born in uh in Australia grew up around um western Sydney so in Blacktown sort of okay. area yeah yeah um pretty much live here my whole life um you know uh, met my uh my wife through school that we went to. Oh, wow. Um, okay. So both have sort of grown up around this area uh, and still living here currently. So, um, yeah, we've, uh, obviously with COVID, it's been a lot harder to venture out into different areas uh, and, and to sort of travel. But, um no, it's also sort of been good being able to take one step back and relax a little bit more so, mm, uh, mm. from home. So,
0: yeah. So a proud black town.
1: Yeah, oh, exactly right. Isn't That's it. it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good, very good.
0: Um when did you meet so so you said you you actually you were in the same school as your as your wife. Is that primary school, high school, uni? Hi, uh, high school, yeah. Wow. So Okay.
1: Um went through high school together and then um sort of dating through high school and then yeah. got married. Awesome. During Covid, so um, that wow. 2021.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, congratulations, mate. That was, uh, that, that was last year, right? So
1: it yeah, must be exactly a challenging right, so.
0: period, challenging period to get married, but I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that you guys went through it and, you know, cut through the the challenges anyway. So.
1: That's it. So it was, was quite difficult, you know, tossing up whether or not we'd have to move venues and all that sort of thing. But, mm. um, fortunately, you know, we were able to go ahead with the, with the wedding and still able to do somewhat of a honeymoon as well. Um, oh, nice. Although obviously still within, um, within new south wales and stuff yeah, like that so yeah
0: yeah plan for a bigger honeymoon afterwards
1: yeah well i mean now that we can sort of start to travel internationally um i think sort of within the next couple of years definitely more interested in not only traveling further around australia but also obviously going overseas so it may not necessarily be a honeymoon as such but still obviously getting out and sort of you know having different experiences in different places so yeah
0: Dispensure around the world, basically, isn't it? Which is part of the dream. Once we, once you build your pro- property portfolio, that's what it's all about. <laughs> that's it. All right. Well, let's talk about your property portfolio then. So, from an outset perspective, um, can you tell? Can you share with our audience uh, what's the current value of the property portfolio sitting at?
1: Yeah, so I was looking at this quite recently, actually, um, oh. and I think it'll probably be just shy of about three point uh, three million. Three point three.
0: Wow, awesome. And for the context, I think, Brendan, you, you're, you're a young guy here. How old are you today?
1: Yeah, so 25 at the moment.
0: 25. Okay. When did you start accumulating?
1: Uh, we made our first purchase in 2018. 2018. Uh, towards the end of 2018, it was pretty much December um, at the time. So, you know, I think we would have been sort of 21. Um, yeah, 21.
0: Just 20. turning
1: 22. Yeah.
0: When you had your first property at 21 um, and what was it? What did you buy?
1: Yeah. So we bought a um, established house in um, Brisbane. So we had sort of been looking uh, uh, looking around for a while, getting a better understanding of the property market, you know, being our first purchase. We weren't necessarily sure uh, where and what to do. So reached out to a handful of different people that have, Sort of gone uh, and done what we were looking to achieve, which is build a portfolio. Mm. Uh, we ended up um, settling on a property um, north side of Brisbane, probably around half an hour from the Brisbane CBD, uh, in a suburb called Strathpine. So yeah, that was the uh, that was the first purchase there. Twenty eighteen, um, Strathpine. The, yeah, <laughs> back in the twenty eighteen. So
0: <laughs> that would have been around three hundred thousand ish, around that mark.
1: I think we paid three ninety for it. Yeah,
0: three ninety. So. That's not bad. That's not bad. Gotta say, yeah, yeah, wow. But okay, but you being a Sydney cider and a twenty-one year old at that point in time, I mean, you know, like I, I have to, I have to say, you've got, you've really got good courage to be investing interstate because at that point in time, I don't think investing interstate is still a common trend. Now, now because information flows a lot more freely, people are using buyers agents and and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot easier, but. You know, I think back in 2018, which is also about the year that I was still accumulating as well. It's not as easy and as transparent. So, what made you? What what give you the confidence to basically invest into Brisbane or Strathpine? Yes,
1: yeah, so, I mean we. I mean, preferably if we were sort of 10 years uh, older, we you know we probably wouldn't be able to start to build a portfolio within Sydney mm. and accumulated it. Um, you know, sort of pre 2012 when things started to take off here. Um, in saying that by the time it was sort of back end of 2018, it was quite difficult in order to purchase sort of anywhere around Sydney within the budget that we had. So, you know, we started to look elsewhere um, and I could see sort of a lot of value towards other interstate markets. Um, I feel like we sort of had uh, the inkling that if we were to purchase in one of these smaller markets that, you know, at least we'd be able to buy, some, you know, better quality asset in comparison to maybe what you would spend, um, in one of the larger Metro markets. yeah. So that sort of led us into that direction. And in terms of actually sort of taking action, you know, as I said, the people that I was <laughs> speaking with at the time, um, had done similar sort of things. So I suppose it was probably just the people that I've sort of surrounded myself with and communicated with that went on that same sort of trajectory uh, in terms of purchasing an estate, um, and so, for me, it wasn't necessarily um, as I suppose uncommon as maybe the uh, traditional investor sort of views that.
0: Mm, okay, so you say you 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 actually surrounded yourself with people. Like, how did you find these people that uh, that that gave you that confidence? Were they like property investors, or they friends and families, or?
1: Yeah. So no one really within um, my family or friends or anything like that was um, heavily sort of into property investing. So I had to reach out and sort of find people myself. Mm. Um, and as you know, like I, uh, I sort of came across, um, one forum, um, being property chat where there's a sort of a, a pool of different uh, people on there with a wealth of experience within property investing. And so that was probably the, the sort of key resource I used in order to reach out to different people. Um, and I think I may have even at one stage reached out to you as well just to um, yeah, get sure. your idea on different things. So, um, yeah, I think it was a matter of just networking online in order to find people that had sort of gone through the process of building a portfolio and getting their advice of what I was planning on doing moving forward. Yeah.
0: No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Mate, you know, like I- I'm sure your mum and dad would be so proud of you now given the fact that they don't have any, they didn't have the property uh, investment mindset but now looking at what their son has achieved you know at such a tender age as well uh, I'm sure they are very very proud of you so
1: yeah that's right I mean there were, I think you know uh, originally for the first um, little while my uh, wife and I sort of kept it under wraps in terms of what we were doing because as you know when you're particularly within I suppose sort of within many things in life particularly within sort of investing many people uh, have an opinion on what you should and shouldn't do and so we sort of wanted just to uh, keep our eye on what our goals were and, and work towards those so we were relatively reluctant to talk about um, our journey and what we were working towards sort of until the latter stages of it um, come last year uh, where we started to share with a lot more friends and family about what we'd be doing
0: were they concerned about you, you know, having so many properties in such a short period of time and taking up so much debt? <laughs>
1: uh, I suppose a combination of both um, just concerned and surprised, but also, you know, happy for us as well. So, um, you know, obviously for many people, it's sort of hard to fathom what, you know, us as property investors are trying to achieve and the way that you structure things and so on. And it, it does go against um, the norm of what many people think in terms of, Um, taking on debt um, to build wealth and, and, you know, allocating um, capital into certain investments. Um, But I think majority of them were quite sort of surprised at what we'd been working on. Yeah. Um, Mm. And so, yeah, it's probably a combination of all sort of three of those different uh, feelings (laughs) that, that we got.
0: Which which I can which I can understand because yeah we we kind of had the same similar type of reactions across relatives and you know yeah, friends as well before so um, but yeah okay no that's good thank you um, the so 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 just circling back to the first property I want to touch on a bit a little bit of, about um, about it how did you how did you actually so there's two questions here I want to ask one is why did you choose property over any other type of assets. You know, like, have you, have you looked into shares, crypto, any other type of assets? Why property?
1: Yeah, great question. So originally I actually was leaning towards shares, Yeah. Um, particularly sort of around that age of 20, 21, I definitely knew I wanted to start investing. Um, I sort of could understand that, you know, I didn't want to work from 20 to 60, you know, 40, 45 years of my life and, you know have to uh sort of work to to make ends meet you know for majority of my life without actually building anything substantial behind me so I knew that if I started to invest early that it could be um you know extremely rewarding if I if I was you know somewhat successful at it, given the time frame that I was looking at so I did initially look at stocks and I was quite interested in doing that um my wife sort of pushed me towards property because she had sort of a few family that had purchased um, and, you know, maybe one investment property or something like that. And so it was an idea that we had sort of been tossing around at the time. And so I said to her essentially like, I will, you know, spend sort of a few months delving deeper into property and better understanding why it may be a viable asset class. Uh, and so after, you know, spending a few months doing that, I sort of came to the conclusion that, I was probably more interested in property than I was stocks. Um, I think a combination of things that sort of led me down that path, you know, sort of being the ability to use leverage of the capital that we had in order to stretch our funds further. Um, I also like the idea of that you can, you know, property being physical and tangible, you can actually take it, renovate it uh, and improve the value that way. so a lot of different things that sort of led me towards property um, and now sort of where the position we are today, I'm obviously extremely grateful that we, um, we chose that avenue. Mm. So um, I did initially look at crypto as well. I, I think um, sort of around, I can't recall what year it was, but it may have been like the end of 2017, start of 2018 when okay. crypto really popped off yes. um, in the media. And so we did put a little bit of money into crypto, but I was sort of, when I put that money in, um, I was quite naive. And so I didn't necessarily understand what I was doing. So, you know, after I ended up selling it and made a loss on it, um, I didn't lose everything, but like there was uh, some loss there. And I sort of said to myself, all right, well, moving forward, I'm not going to invest in anything unless I fully understand what I'm actually doing. Yeah. And for me, property makes a lot of sense. Uh, and so yeah. I can understand the drivers behind it um, and the, the value to it. And so that's sort of why we chose to go down that avenue.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Different type of asset classes always have different uh, type of um, uh, strategies and and that kind of things. And I think, yeah, you're absolutely spot on, you know, even if you lose money in one type of asset classes. And again, you know, a lot of investors would lose money somewhere, whether that's shares, whether that's crypto and property as well, not to mention, right, you can lose money in crop property too. Uh, but the fundamental thing that taught you in this scenario is, you know, definitely need to do your due diligence and understand what the asset class is before jumping in rather than just rushing in. Like when everybody else says buy it (laughs) now, right? So you got to, you got to do your own due diligence essentially. So.
1: Exactly right. And I mean, you know, with property, you know, obviously it's um, somewhat of an illiquid asset. So you can't necessarily just buy in and out straight away within a matter of days. Um, and so, knowing that, I probably spent a lot more time researching it because I could understand it was a, going yeah. to be holding a much, much larger asset, um, and you know, it probably would require a lot more sort of uh, due diligence, as you mentioned, in order to get an understanding of where to allocate the funds that we we used to end up purchasing.
0: Very good. Okay, so dabbled in shares, dabbled in crypto, but then ended up choosing choosing property as the uh, as the one to go with. Um, would you be? Would you be going back to looking at shares or cryptos app later on as well?
1: It's definitely something I've considered. Like you know, I've. Um... The plan is still to continue to build the portfolio and do a couple of things within property, but yep. I think um, some diversification into another asset class um, would be worthwhile. Uh, but again, I'd probably apply the same approach where I spend a matter of months, you know, really delving deep into understanding uh, whatever market I, I may decide to jump into yep. uh, before taking action, and then obviously just starting off with a with a smaller amount of funds and then yep. building up building it yep. up over time.
0: Yeah, very good. Very good. The other question I have for you uh, at that point in time for your first property is um, how did you save up your deposit? Because that's always the biggest challenge to have that initial capital that go towards it. Did you start working when you were 18 or or even before then?
1: Yeah. So as soon as I finished school, I went to uni. Um, So I spent probably four and a half years at uni. And throughout that time, I sort of did a range of different um, odd jobs part-time. Yeah. Um, but the majority of the funds that we used for the first purchase was for my uh, wife, so she was say she was working full time essentially from when we finished school.
0: Oh right. Okay. Um.
1: And sort of just climbing up, um, the ladder where she was working. Yep. And then she was able to build up, you know, somewhat of a substantial amount of money yep. for us at the time, and in conjunction with, um, the money that I had saved from my part times and put that together in order to to fund the first deposit.
0: great teamwork i gotta say so you're you're studying preparing for the future she's already working saving up a deposit and uh yeah the, the importance of the teamwork and working together in building that property portfolio is uh is always going to be the key
1: exactly right and i uh i think it was a good balance because now looking back you know it's worked quite well um you know she's um obviously continued to still um work at the moment but um you know, the plan is over the next few years to start to consider to, um, to have kids and stuff like that. And so yep. she'll be able to sort of transition out sort yep. of because of the decisions that we made, you know, three, four, five years ago and building up um, our wealth earlier rather yep. than sort of waiting till later.
0: Yeah, now awesome. And also, you know, with Property game, we all know that time is essence, right? The longer that you're in there, the, the earlier that you start, the better. So the fact that you guys started at 21 or thereabouts is just absolutely amazing. You got so many cycles ahead of you. Um, and plus, you know, you just even on the current cycle, like you guys already amassed about 3.3 mil of portfolio. That's uh that's a great head start to a lot of people, I'm gonna say. So, but you know, everyone look at it from the outcome perspective that they don't really understand a lot of times about the amount of hard work and sacrifices that have to go in underneath and behind the scenes, right? So, let's chat a bit about from property one to property two. Um, so, first of all, where's property two at the moment?
1: Yeah, so property two was also in Queensland. Again, I saw a lot of value in that market at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, we ended up purchasing on the south side uh, this time. So okay. Sort of um, at the time, I was wanting to balance out, potentially have one in, in both areas of Brizzy. Yep. So we bought in Logan, Logan. In a suburb called Woodridge. Yep. Um, at the time, and even still today, it's uh, somewhat of a lower demographic area. Um, but, you know, with that, it also comes with a lower purchase price or price point to get into that market at the time. And so that it sort of enabled us to buy, you know, another... Another property still within sort of half an hour of Brisbane, mm-hmm. um, but still within our borrowing capacity as well.
0: Yeah. So that's Woodridge, right? Um, and that's also in 2018.
1: That was 20. I think sort of the end of 2019, start end of 2020. Of okay. Um, I think it might have settled January 2020.
0: Yeah. Right. Okay. So, so because it took a bit of time for you guys to save up deposit again for the second one, I'm assuming.
1: Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So save the deposit for the first one. Then obviously I think it may have been sort of a little bit over a year before saving the second deposit mm-hmm. um, to go again.
0: Okay. What, uh, what, what made you guys uh, look at Woodridge um, at that point? I know we, we know that the, I think based on your research and you're a very far person in terms of research, you would have definitely understood the demographics before you jumping in. Um, but what was attracting you to this area?
1: Yeah, a combination of things. I was obviously somewhat reluctant because of the demographic, but sort of the way that I viewed it was, you know, in typically most metro markets, there's always some area that seems to be slightly lower demographic. Hmm. Um, however, in, in the case of Woodridge, it was, it's still relatively quite close to uh, the Brisbane CBD. Yeah, And so, you know, over time, an area can gentrify, but you can't, necessarily just change the location of an area. So if we had purchased, you know, potentially further away or, um, you know, in an area that's has less demand, then you may not necessarily have seen, um, the growth that we've seen today. Um, and I think, you know, this particular area will gentrify over time and we've sort of already seen strong price growth, um, to indicate that within the last couple of years. So, um, a combination of things, you know, coming from that side of things, as well as the fact with that second purchase and sort of mostly relying on the borrowing for my wife's income, mm. we were limited to a certain budget. Okay. Um and so the budget that we did have, um, you know, we were sort of looking at something under three hundred thousand and gotcha. that was quite difficult to achieve even back sort of uh end of twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um in Brizzy. So that sort of limited us to a handful of areas and we were sort of willing to take a chance on it because we knew we had a quality property up north and this particular property had a lot, a greater yield. Um, and so it was sort of balance of both of potentially sort of having one focused around capital growth and one focused around cash Um, and then the deal itself worked out to be quite good. So when we did pick it up, um, we, uh, we purchased it what I would consider below market value. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that reason, we sort of had built, built in some mm-hmm. equity um, there from the get-go.
0: How much did you get it for if you don't mind me asking?
1: Yeah, so we picked it up for
0: 250,000.
1: 250. Was it a high set? No, low set. So it was a um, fiber house, four bed, one bath. Uh, I think it's about 650 square meter block.
0: That's not bad. And it was renting at how much at that time?
1: 320, I think the rent was. Um, The plan is to renovate it sort of in the next couple of months. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's at that stage where it's a little bit tired and needs a bit of work done. So we're probably going to spend sort of anywhere from 20, 25,000 just to, um, to freshen it up, do some cosmetic work and so on. And I sort of expect to get uh a minimum return of sort of 400 a week um so you could say we're sort of in for 275 with the purchase purchase price um and renting from sort of low 400s maybe mid 400s if we are lucky
0: that's still excellent yield though i've got to say and and also Woodridge has quite a bit of growth in the last 12 months you know we're seeing we're seeing that at the moment right so
1: exactly right and so you know i'm just sort of um gobsmacked at how how quickly prices have rose, mm. um because i didn't necessarily expect for them to move this quickly um uh, when i first purchased yeah um, but i'm sort of seeing stuff now um, as you would know like majority of properties even in these lower demographic areas are now selling around the half a million dollar mark um, and speaking with agents on the ground they, they're indicating that that's pretty much where they'd be looking at at putting something up like my own property um, if I was to take it to the market
0: that that one is definitely a great buy if you look at it a, a cost a purchase price of around the 250 and now hovering around that's a say high fours you know uh, essentially you almost double your, your money in effectively two to three years
1: yeah exactly right so it's been a it's been a really good buy and it, you know at the end of the day I suppose it's just a, another really good story um, to suggest that you shouldn't necessarily follow what um. What the herd says, because in most most cases, many people sort of talk it down um, on the area. Mm. Um, however, it's probably been one of the best performing assets that we've purchased so far. So,
0: was it the best performer out of the whole portfolio so far? Would you say?
1: Um, I think because of its low price point, it would probably. Probably would be, however, percentage-wise, isn't it? Percentage, percentage wise. that's yeah. right. I suppose across the portfolio, they've all done relatively well since purchasing. Yeah. Um, in saying that, I've also held it for a longer period of time, so, um, I, I definitely think it would be right up there. Yeah. Um, but to give you like, to give you another example, the first property that we ma- that we did purchase, we've held mm. it for longer, and I suspect that it probably wouldn't be as high as a percentage in terms of return. Yep. And, it, you know, we bought it in what would at the time was considered one of the best sort of investment grade areas um, in outer Brisbane. So I suppose it just goes to show that, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to follow the norm in order to do well um, within property.
0: Yeah. Well, there's multiple ways to, to make money, right? Like it would, Like they always say. Um, different different type of strategies for different type of people that'll work. Um, as long as you get to the end goal, that's uh, that's essentially what's important. So, but very good. Um, so property two. So this one in Woodridge, have you actually had tenant issues?
1: No, not at all. So, oh. I mean, it's been the same tenant since we rented it out. Oh, wow. They were already okay. in the property. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, tenanted from day one and due to the fact that we're renovating it's the only reason why we're um we're having to um to move the tenants on yeah uh, because we've got to actually get in there to do some of the work that needs to be done Uh, but haven't had any issues um from a tenancy side of things so you know i suppose if you're going to be buying a handful of properties in sort of lower demographic areas you may have run the risk of having some kind of tenancy issues but fortunately um it hasn't been a problem for us
0: very good. Uh were you planning to actually do the upcoming renovation yourself? Get to get a bit of hands-on with it, or are you gonna get tradies to do it?
1: No, I'll get the tradies to go through and do all of that. It's um, <laughs> gonna take uh, would... time to
0: pick up the tools, right?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I do have um, you know, family and friends that would be um right down there alley. Um yeah a tradesman and so on but oh, awesome. just a matter of trying to travel up there and you know take people with you in, in the process of doing all that so probably would just be easier um for my side of things to get get people on the ground that are already there um, and just manage it from down here so
0: okay awesome all right um and where to from there
1: yeah so the next purchase again it took a little while um in order to get there it was probably 12 months after that so mm-hmm. that would be the back end of 2020 2020, yeah. Um, slash the start of 21. Um, and again, you know, we started to build up over the following 12 months and, you know, somewhat of a deposit. Fortunately, because of the purchase price um, for the second property, we were able to tap into the equity of that. Uh, and so it was, I think we used a combination of um, equity and, um, and savings in order to purchase the third property. That was in uh, Bethania. Which is also in Logan, south of Brisbane. Yep. Um, we paid three hundred and seventeen thousand, I think, for it, yep. mm-hmm. uh, and then we did about a fifteen k Reno um, from the get go. Oh, cool. so it needed a little bit of work um, when we bought it. Um, but I'm always, I like purchasing properties that sort of need somewhat um, of a renovation because it t- can tend to um, to turn off other buyers as well. Um, and you can sort of add value to it yourself from yep. that side of things. So we're probably all in for sort of three hundred thirty thousand or thereabouts.
0: And how much is it renting?
1: Yeah, so we rented it straight away. Uh, we got four hundred for it. Um, so it's still renting at four hundred today. However, looking online, I suspect if we were to take it back to the rental market, we'd probably be able to increase that. Yep. So you know, obviously, rental market. Probably quite across, uh, you know, across majority of the country has sort um, gone ballistic. So I suspect that, you know, we'd probably, have to, I don't know, maybe even cheese up towards sort of mid fours um, from a rental side of things um, because it's in relatively good condition. So, mm. um, you know, another good yield um, from that side of things.
0: No, that's very good. And uh, with Bethania, is, uh, is this, against in terms of how did you choose this location? Is it, is it because of the restrictions in terms of the borrowing capacity? Therefore, the purchase price, you're forced to look at around the 300 to 350K mark type of purchase
1: price? That's right. So, you know, one thing that was sort of at the top of my criteria when I was looking for properties was it still needed to fit within my overarching strategy. Yes, you know it wasn't wouldn't necessarily have made sense for us to go out and and to buy something that doesn't align with what we're trying to achieve so yep. um again we sort of knew we wanted to buy around the three to 350k three mark that obviously limits us to a handful of areas but we were still convinced that brisbane was going to be um, a strong performer moving mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. um and when that property presented itself I, I saw a lot of value there as well so um I think originally it may have been under contract for around the mid 300s mark, but then that fell through, I think, subject to finance. So um, once that took place and we had the opportunity to pick it up and um, we ended up purchasing, as I said, around that sort of 317k mark and then did the rental on top of that to be in for 330. So yeah, good. Um, majority of that sort of came down to affordability and what where we could buy, um, but I definitely still, you know, the area ticked a lot of boxes for me, you know, sort of 30, 35 minutes from the CBD. Yep. Um, and you know, sort of leafy suburban area in Logan. Um, I know obviously that for many people that sort of, um, turns heads when you mention to them that you're investing in, in an area like Logan, but you know, so I went up there a few times and spent some time on the ground and I, uh, actually really like the area that I do not um, Sort of have any issue with uh with the area itself, and so you know I thought it would be viable to go to go again and to purchase there again. So
0: slowly gentrifying, I believe. You know, I mean, Logan is such a huge area, right? Like I think in general, just people giving a bit of bad name, but I think there's about like 120 suburbs within Logan itself, right? And you got. And you've got the Pacific Motorway kind of act as a bit of a divider on the east side, you know, whereas there's the more premium market, whereas the west side is kind of, you know, not so premium, but, you know, they are changing, um, especially after this latest round. Um, you know, I think definitely the demographics would have some shifts um, toward that as in the poor people will just continue to get pushed about further and further um, and, um, you know, and, and replaced by hopefully more own occupiers and people who's got, uh, yeah, who's got decent savings and jobs
1: exactly right and i suppose that's tying back into what i said before like when you take the demographic out of it in terms of its location you know you're looking at most suburbs there within sort of 30 40 minutes of brisbane and an hour of the gold coast so um you know those obviously being two largest um, areas within queensland um so you know in terms of location it made a lot of sense um to me on paper and you know growing up um, in and around Blackdown and comparing that to logan like. It didn't sort of shy me away from um from not wanting to consider that area just because of the demographic. Very good.
0: Uh, and let me guess, next property Logan again.
1: That's right. So it <laughs> one in, uh, in Logan as well. So uh, this time it was in Logan Home. Logan Home. So okay. A little bit closer to the highway, and as you mentioned before, obviously being closer to that eastern side, which is, yep. um, you know, sort of, um, typically. Uh, a, a nice or some some nicer, nicer area so yeah. um yeah we purchased that one i think within a couple of months after the third purchase okay so now we're at that stage where the ball was sort of rolling a lot more um and so for this fourth purchase i think we had tapped into the equity of maybe the first property and used mm-hmm. some cash savings as well mm-hmm. um and you know originally it obviously took a period of time to purchase the first one, then another twelve months to get to the second. But now we're at that stage where we're picking them up quite quickly. Yeah, gaining momentum. Um, yeah, that's it. So uh, that purchase price was around three hundred and thirty thousand again. Oh, um, so pretty similar purchase price to the third one. Yep. It was on a slightly smaller block. Um, I think this was on four hundred sixty square meters. So typically, okay. I like to stay above a sort of six hundred square meter mark or there area thereabouts. Yeah. Um, but because of the location I was willing to sort of compensate on that and, to, okay. and to pay, um, pay the money for, for that particular property because I really liked the area that, that it was in. So again, we, um, we put that onto the rental market and we got 400 a week at the time. Mm, um, good. I suspect again, because of the way the market has moved, if we were to renew or to find, um, to find new tenants that we'd be able to get much closer to the sort of mid 400 mark um, or, or higher than what, what it's currently rented at, which is always good. Um, and the growth as well has been pretty, um, pretty extraordinary um, mm. since owning it uh, because that one was sort of purchased. I would guess around maybe April of 2021, um, you know, we haven't held it for a year just yet, uh, but some of the numbers that I'm seeing are quite phenomenal. So right uh, before, overall right overall
0: before price. the big, the big jump is in it, basically.
1: That's right, which is why you know it's so uh, so interesting to see how the market has moved. Because at the time, you know, I was sort of um, haggling on trying to knock the price down even further, but uh, I suppose you know, for, for what I paid for it, um, that would be um, extremely cheap in today's market.
0: Can you feel the market was moving at the time? Because you've seen, you pretty much were, so like you've been buying in Logan around since like 2019. You've gone through 2020 and then the COVID hit and then 2021, right? Um, As you move towards the, the mid to late 2021, which is when Brisbane really started taking off seriously, were you able to sense that, you know, it, there's, there's a trend that the properties are selling faster. It's harder to negotiate, like you mentioned before, to try to get for a cheaper price. Um, and are the agents actually returning your calls and how quickly they're returning your calls?
1: Yeah, definitely. And I think you hit the nail on the head. Like when we were purchasing 2018, yeah. 2019, it was a lot um, calmer market where it'd be easy to call an agent. The process would be a lot slower and you could sort of, be take your time in terms of uh, assessing properties. However, by the time we got to twenty twenty one, I'd already seen prices start to move, hmm. um, and so the original plan was to buy sort of one each year and progressively yep. build up the portfolio. Yep. But with the May, the market was moving. I thought to myself, there's no point me waiting twelve months and buying again if it's going to be who knows how much more expensive. Uh, And and looking back now, a lot more expensive Mm. um, in comparison. So I could definitely see that. Um, And this particular purchase, I was constantly monitoring the market, trying to find um, a property that ticks the boxes for what I was looking for. And it was quite difficult at the time because listings were relatively low um, and anything that was coming to market was getting snapped up quite quickly. So similar to the third property, this property had been put onto contract and I think finance had fallen through uh, and for that reason, it was actually on like the second or third page um, on majority of the online um, listing platforms. So I uh, sort of out of the blue just gave the agent a call to see if they had anything, and she mentioned that it was still available. And so that's when I sort of went through the process of doing my due diligence and uh, so then buying.
0: So the moral of the story here is it's still worthwhile to go to page two or page three of the <laughs> realestate.com, do <laughs> you? Yeah,
1: exactly right. So that's it.
0: You just never know what treasure you could find there. Um, but with this property, you did mention it's a smaller block of land. Is it actually a newer property? Um, Like, you know, maybe 10, 20 years old, as opposed to like the older style, 30, 40 years on a big block of land?
1: Yeah, it's relatively newer. So I suspect that off the top of my head i think it was built around the mid 90s Mid '90s, Um, so you still be sort of looking 25 to 30 years yeah um but in comparison to some of the other properties i've bought yeah it would be newer and and, i'm under the assumption that obviously back then they would have been chopping up the blocks similar to how they do now but obviously not to the sort of same extent Uh, and hence why they're obviously um a pool of them um on smaller blocks in that area
0: and what's the strategy for this one
1: Yeah, so again, I wanted to look at finding something that was sort of relatively decent yield. Um, You know, I think the purchase that I made um, would also be somewhat considered below market value despite the market that I was dealing in at the time. So I was sort of looking at comparable sales at the time. Majority of them were selling around the sort of 360, 370 mark. So Mm. I knew if I'm purchasing around that 330 mark because I was quite desperate to sell the property, given it had fallen through um, previously, that I was getting a relatively decent deal. And and the way the market was moving, that it it would probably look even stronger moving forward. So um, again, just looking for another solid property to add to the portfolio. There wasn't too much outside of... um, just trying to to accumulate at the time in terms of strategy so i I didn't really have any sort of um development thoughts or anything to do with that for that particular purchase um but that does you know sort of have been considerations for other purchases as well
0: sure okay okay so that's good that's property number four basically free in logan one up north at Strathpine. um what about property five? Did you still stay in Queensland? Did you still buy more in Logan or did you go somewhere else?
1: Yeah, so that's when I decided to move elsewhere. So okay. um, I uh, accumulated the four in in Brizzy and and in and around that area. And then I sort of could see how the market was moving. And I thought to myself, well, I'm, I'm now at the stage where, you know, I've got a handful of properties in that area. It may be worthwhile to start to investigate other areas. Um, you know, I was contemplating looking at, uh, other metro markets, I typically like to stick to metro markets. So, you know, already knowing from the first purchase that Sydney and Melbourne were sort of off the list. Um, the other two areas that sort of I was interested in was Adelaide and Perth. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked the look of the Adelaide market a lot. Um, I could see that he was starting to gain momentum as well. Um, and so ended up purchasing a um, fifth property in Adelaide. Oh, okay. Um, so the first property outside of Queensland from the portfolio, um, but yeah, that was uh, that was the next one.
0: Whereabouts in Adelaide?
1: So it's in a suburb called Christy Downs, which Christy is Downs? Uh, sort of south of Adelaide, probably around half an hour. Okay. Um, so what I really liked about this purchase was um, the block size uh, of the property um, was around the eight hundred square meter mark, mm-hmm. uh, and so the actual. Zoning of the property would allow me um, to build more dwellings on it further down the track. Okay, so I'd be looking at doing like three or four um, townhouses or something like that. Nice. So I sort of thought that it would be worthwhile to have that as an option within my portfolio. So at some stage, if I'm interested in doing some kind of development, I've purchased it now, but have the option of doing it without paying. You know, whatever the land and and the the building might cost in you know, 10, 15, 20 years time. So, yeah, um, yeah in Christie Downs, um, the purchase price for that was 415000
0: fifteen thousand. Um,
1: fifteen, okay. Which was the most expensive that I had spent up, up to that point. Um, however, to get into majority of areas in Adelaide, that was sort of the price point that you'd be having to spend. Yeah. Um, so the, the market had moved by the time I did get there, mm-hmm. um, but not probably... Not as much as uh, what I was seeing in Brizzy, so um, yeah, they uh, the uh, the yield wasn't obviously as favourable as some of my Brisbane purchases. Um, I think it ended up and is renting at the moment at three ninety, yep. which still is a relatively decent um, return. Uh, but the focus was more around okay, how can I add something that's going to sort of give me some level of development potential further down the track? Yeah, um, and it's in. Close proximity to the train station uh, in that suburb, as well as relatively close to the beach, so I see a, see a lot of value there um, in that particular area in Adelaide.
0: That's great, and I think uh, you know, like naturally, naturally speaking, and and I think yeah, around I was around the property four or five when I started thinking of or looking for properties that actually has development potential as well. So it's pretty similar in terms of that stage, um, and and I think it's a natural progression. As well. When you when you when you started building a portfolio, you will start to think about how does each of the property play a part in my portfolio, right? There will be properties that you can add value with cosmetic renovations. There will be properties that you could potentially knock down and rebuild or build two new townhouses, like, like what you're saying with the Christie Downs property down the track. You want to have a bit of a combination or multiple ones, which would allow you to be able to execute different types of strategies later on right? Um, so having options, I think is important. And, you know, like everyone, uh, like once you get initially, you start off with bread and butter properties and you're like, yep, you know, this is good. I've got one property. I've got two properties now. And then eventually you'll ask more and more. It's like, how can I actually get something more, something better? Uh, it's just part of the natural progression. It's the way I see it.
1: Exactly right. And, um, and I think he hits nail on the head there because not all the, it's going to be very unlikely that you find a property that's going to tick every single one of your boxes. And so I think that's what some people struggle um, with when they're looking at purchasing maybe potentially their first property where they want everything to stack up perfectly. And that doesn't necessarily happen often, particularly when you're in a hot market and things are selling relatively quickly. Mm. Uh, And so if you are going to find something that ticks all your boxes, you're typically going to be probably spending more money to get it.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, And so with that, that probably comes with a lot of sort of analysis paralysis for people that are always waiting to find that sort of um to find the the gem but it may not necessarily eventuate so yeah um each of the properties that i do have i look back and I, you know at the time there may have been another property that i could have purchased that may have worked out to be better today um but you know i think i'm um overall just happy that i took action over took action. time yeah. and even though you know there may have been purchases that I could have done slightly differently or changed their strategy in certain different ways. Um, You know, I've still got to the position I am um, today and, and reaping the benefits of that. So, you know, looking across the whole portfolio, I, I, um, that is definitely something that, you know, now taking more factors into play when considering a property and, and how it probably better aligns with my overarching um, strategy and portfolio mm-hmm. and not necessarily just the property itself um, on an individual basis.
0: Yeah, okay no that's that's really good. Um, with the you did mention analysis paralysis where there some point in time that you actually got into the state in terms of analysis paralysis or have you got any tips for our listeners in terms of you know when you get into the state, how did you break out and like and how, how are you able to continue to move forward?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it can be quite challenging uh, and daunting, particularly when you're purchasing your first property or your second property yeah. um, because you want to make sure that everything lines up and everything stacks up correctly. Um, I think at some stage, you've just really got to take action and, and back yourself and, and the research that you've done. Um you know, you, you may end up purchasing in an area where you look back in five, 10 years time and say, well, maybe I should have purchased there or there is, a, you know, into another area and you, you're probably never going to perfectly time the purchase that you make or where you end up purchasing. But um, by taking action, at least you have the chance of being able to to work towards a goal. You know, if you never take action, then you're never going to be actually able to achieve whatever you've set yourself out to, to do. So yeah. um, I think that was sort of, in the back of my mind, if, if I don't do this, then I'll never know what the outcome will be. Yeah. Um,
0: That's good. Good. I think mindset, mindset basically is what drives people uh, essentially. And I think you have a very strong, you're, you're a very goal oriented person, right? So, and we all know as property investors, we're not, we're not in the property investing game just for the fun of collecting properties. Uh, Ultimately we want to be able to build some wealth out of it. Um, And, Circling back, and I probably should have done this initially, um, ask you about your your ultimate goal at this point in time. What are you looking to achieve out of the property portfolio?
1: Yeah, so the original goal was to replace um, my wife's or my income so that we could essentially either both work past time or, or she could um, sort of uh, stay at home um, yep. further down the track. So the original goal was sort of financial independence. Yep. Over time, that's sort of developed where you know, now I'm in a position where I'm enjoying what I'm doing um, and sort of willing to work longer than I may have initially anticipated. And for that reason, I suppose, as the portfolio has grown, my, my goals have also grown as well. So, um, you know, I'm wanting to work towards um, building a larger portfolio, yep. um, but then obviously transitioning that into having um more cash flow so I sort of set myself the lofty goal of working towards building a five million dollar portfolio um and and that's the goal at the moment um and so you know once I get there i probably will reevaluate and start to think about what's next but um it all stemmed from wanting to have sort of control over our own lives and not necessarily having to work um as I said, um, to begin with for 40, 50 years yep. um, and retire then. So totally, um, financial independence was definitely the the driving factor bef- behind us starting.
0: Great. And $5 million, uh, in terms of when, have you got a timeline for yourself? Yeah, so or something?
1: I'm always crunching numbers. Well, to be honest, like I'm looking at purchasing a couple more properties, hopefully this year. It and it will obviously depend on, what the market does uh, and how things, how things happen moving forward. But I, you know, if I, um, if everything goes to plan, my, my hope is to be able to do that by the end of next year, um, which would be me turning 27, 27 uh, at the end of next year. So that's the goal. It may take a little bit longer. Um, but you know, that's what I'm working towards. Yeah. Um, and you know, assuming I can make the purchase that I do this year, as the market continues to move the way that it has, uh, I suspect I'll be able to um, get relatively close, if not hit it. Hopefully, by the end of next year.
0: Well, you're already about sixty something percent right now in terms of where we're sitting at the moment, right? So it's probably not going to be that challenging to add another one point something million to make it up to five. In fact.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. So. Um, uh, if i was to sort of tell myself at 21 the position yeah. i would sort of be in at five six years i don't think i would believe believe myself or, or believe anyone that told me that so but yeah. it's just really interesting to see how um, taking action and calculated um c- calculated risk well to an extent um has sort of led to where i am today and how i can now see the trajectory of where i'm going as well so yeah i am um, I definitely wouldn't have thought I would be in the position I am today or, or where I will be in sort of the next few years, but um, I can start to see how, you know, working towards a particular goal and keeping your head down and sort of laser focused on achieving it. Uh, it can be done within, within uh, a matter of time.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. There's a lot of hard work and dedication that's gone behind the scenes, of course, like I mentioned, right? So uh, I think very, very well done. Um, you know, in terms of your current age in terms of what you have achieved it's uh it's it's, it's absolutely amazing um and i think it gives you know it, it basically it, a lot of you know a lot of the younger generations now are having trouble saving uh complaining about how difficult it is to get into property at the moment and i think you you know you show you show people a different perspective to say it's definitely possible um you might not be able to buy in the back of your backyard basically or where your mom and dad are used to buy but look somewhere else and, you know, find a way essentially, because, you know, when, when you want to do something, when there's a will, there will be a way uh, as they always say. isn't it?
1: Exactly. Right. Um, and so, you know, I think when it comes to anything, like if you put your mind to it and you're willing to work towards it, yeah, um, then as long as you believe in yourself that you can achieve it, uh, there's nothing really stopping you.
0: That's it. All right. Uh, so with mindful of the time, we just got to start looking, wrapping up. Um what are the three biggest tips that you would give to investors um, today that uh, that you that you think is probably the three biggest learnings that you have out of the six properties that you bought?
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think over the course of my own journey, I've learned so many different things, but some of the key takeaways that I've sort of um, learned uh, through, uh, through my experiences, it's obviously everybody's going to have an opinion on... And what you're doing and what you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Um, and this doesn't necessarily just apply to property, but as long as you understand why you're doing something and, and you're willing to work towards it, um, you don't necessarily need anybody else's justification in order to do that. So, um, you know, people tell me all the time about how, you know, property market is going to crash and how you shouldn't invest in a certain area and so on. And, and if you can block out all that external noise and just understand what you're trying to achieve um, and in this case, take the research in order to be able to do that, then I think that that goes a long way. Um, So being able to sort of direct your own life rather than being caught up with what other people are saying, Mm. Um, you know, I think also going out and um, and building a portfolio over time sort of given builds a lot of confidence um, in the sense of you start a goal and, and you set you know set off in trying to achieve that and, and over the course of my journey I think it's given me the belief to do a lot of other things as well um, but initially when I first started I, I didn't have as much self-confidence because I wasn't sure if I'd actually be able to go out and achieve what I was looking at doing so I think having you know sort of a sense of self- belief within one's, um oneself, to be able to actually go out and take action. And it sort of ties in with what we were saying before, because many times I speak with people that are looking at purchasing and they may not necessarily um, purchase um, straight away. And then they sort of come back six months time and they're still looking and and it takes them quite a long time before they take action. So um, if you take action early, uh, you know, you'll sort of reap the benefits um, the most rather than waiting um, further down the track. Uh, And Being property specific, I think many people need to really delve into having a better understanding of what their overarching goal is. Um, Most times I have a conversation with people, they sort of have this idea of building wealth, but it doesn't necessarily have a tangible goal attached to it. Um, And so I was very specific in the goal that I had. And so it was easy for me to reverse engineer what I was trying to achieve. Because in order to work towards a goal, you need to know what steps you're going to take to get there. And the best way to do that is to deconstruct the goal into smaller sort of segments and then take more manageable steps over the course of your journey. Whereas uh, if the the goal that someone set, that may be just to build wealth, then it doesn't necessarily um, have an endpoint or gives that person perspective of how they're going to go Throughout actually working towards and achieving that, so yeah, I think breaking things down and actually creating a plan is probably the most important thing before going out and taking action.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Okay, okay. So if I could summarize it, I think the three things that you basically said is, uh, you know, just uh, focus on focus on what you're doing. Don't don't uh, ignore the noise essentially, um, and and the second one um, is basically just uh, keep working through, um, take action. You know, basically, that's which is the most important part as well. Um, And the third part here um, is essentially have a plan, but break down into actionable chunks, basically. Because a lot of times, you know, the goal might seem to be very difficult to get to from the outset. But if you break it into manageable, actionable piece of items every day, um, then it doesn't seem to be that difficult, does it?
1: Exactly
0: right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah, awesome, awesome. Now, Brendan, thank you very much for your time. Uh, you're very generous in terms of your stories and sharing with everyone else. So, you know, I'm very, very grateful and very, very mindful that uh, you know this. Uh, we, we've got the luxury to be able to tap into your to your mindset for this uh, for the last hour or so. Um, and look, I, I did have some funny, interesting questions I wanted to ask you, but uh, mindful of the time, I'll probably leave it to our to our next episode. Um, so. But, uh, yeah, thank you again, Brendan, for um, coming on. And uh, I'm sure, you know, our, our listeners would love to hear back from you again. So we'll bring you back on, you know, in a few weeks' time. Um, and then uh, we can certainly chat again in terms of the um, uh, your amazing mindset. No problem at all. Thanks
1: for having me on, David. Appreciate all right.
0: it. Sounds good. All right. Um, so thanks for tuning in that episode of Spark Your Fire. Um, you know, as I said, we are going to reignite the property segment again. Um, And thanks, Brendan, being very generous about your time today. So, uh, until next time, stay safe, and we will see you again in next episode of Spark Your Fire.